And welcome to Real Talk Sports today. Um, I'll be your host, Rico. Um, today, we're actually just going through uh, news feeds here, just actually you know, coming up with the show, um, you know, off top. And so I just want to go ahead and thank Anchor uh, for being our platform. And then also to just thank all the people that have listened in and chimed in over this time. And uh, without further ado, man, let's kind of jump into the show. So, you know, one of the first topics that I kind of looked at is uh, one thing here by Daryl Morey. And he was talking about a hamstring injury that kept um, kept the Rockets from winning a title. And I'm thinking about that series, you know, in which the Rockets were up, I believe, three games to two against the Golden State Warriors. And Chris Paul went down. And I believe Houston had actually the home court advantage in that series. And they weren't able to come up with the next two games. And, you know, I think about that series and I think, you know, if Chris Paul were healthy, um, the way he was playing in that 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 type of level, um, that type of intensity, um, obviously, I think he was he was doing a number on Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. He was able to, you know, pretty much get to a sweet spot at that mid range. And if he wasn't getting it in the mid range, I mean, they were spectacular and just kind of moving the ball around and getting the best three point shot. Um, obviously, that's what Houston does. I mean, it's just a high power offense. And maybe it did cost the the Houston Rockets a chance um, at a title, you know, because I think that that was, to me, one of the best Houston Rocket teams uh, assembled at the time. You know, and not to take anything away from what they have now, but you think about it, they don't have Chris Paul. Um, they don't have Clint Capella anymore as well. Uh, Eric Gordon has been up and down as far as the injuries are concerned. And uh, James Harden has been obviously spectacular, but now they're looking to possibly go ahead and move Mike D'Antoni. So, um, you know, that window for Houston, it was it was a tough window because when you think about it, uh, you know, Houston had delegated pretty much so much money to have Chris Paul on the roster. Um, you know, you had delegated money for um, for James Harden to be on the roster and even Clint Capella to a certain extent. Um, you know, they had a lot of money tied up into those players. And so, you know, they decided to go all small ball in, you know, once they let uh, Clint Capella go. And so we really don't know what the results are going to be for this year. But um, you know, I will say that I think that, yeah, I, I think that a hamstring injury may have cost, um, it may have cost the Rockets. It may have cost the Rockets, man. It may have cost the Rockets a chance, um, at that, ch at that title during the 28th, 18th series. And, you know, that's not to take anything away from Golden State, who I've always thought has been a spectacular team. Um, and I do remember too, also in that series that Andre Godala was hurt. Um, he did miss some time, I think, due to the calf injury, if I'm not mistaken. It was either a strained calf or uh, maybe a little bit of the back. But, yeah, I, I mean, it, the cards were were pretty much stacked against the, the, the Golden State Warriors, and they were able to win. And if I'm not mistaken, I, I believe there was some controversy going into Game 7 as well, where uh, Steph Curry actually wanted to get some shots up prior to the game and um i think it was chris paul who pretty much <laughs> ran him out of the gym and after the game when golden state won you know they had epically trolled the houston rockets by saying let him shoot um so you know that that was just 
one of those those special moments I think for the Golden State Warriors and just you know how they were able to come together as a team and get it done. But um, in reflecting, yeah, I, I think that 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 might have been the Rockets' time. I really do. Um, do I think that the Rockets have a chance maybe in the future? It's possible. You know, I don't know how the team's going to look or how it's going to perform after you take away um, you take away. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, you know, because Mike D'Antoni pretty much was the is the architect of that that offensive scheme and what they like to do. So, you know, with his exit, it makes you wonder, you know, do they keep guys like P.J. Tucker? Is Eric Gordon still in the roster? You know, do they keep an Austin Rivers? Um, you know, what what would be the direction of the team? I think it's going to be dependent on uh, who the coach is. And, you know, you think about it, if it's Tom Thibodeau, who has been named as a possible replacement Tom Thibodeau is an excellent coach but he is a defensive minded coach and if you remember him with the Chicago Bulls um, he was excellent he was excellent with the Bulls and orchestrating that type of um, defensive scheme where pretty much you know when you came in to to meet the Bulls it was going to be a tough night either way because you look at the fact that you had to go against a Joe Kim Noah you had to go against a Carlos Boozer um, a Ronnie Brewer at times, uh, Derek Rose in his MVP season, Jimmy Butler at one of his peak and pinnacle seasons. That's just when Jimmy Butler was starting to kind of come into his own. And not to mention, uh, you know, not to shortchange him, but Luol Deng. Luol Deng was an excellent uh, wing defender at the time and also, too, a, a pretty serviceable scorer. And, you know, the one thing that a lot of those bulls will tell you is that, you know, Tom Thibodeau pushes you hard in practice and Tibbs is all about, you know, defense. And that's one thing that the bulls kind of struggled with at times was the score. And so, you know, the Houston, its strength has been the score and its weakness has been defense. And so, you know, if Thibodeau takes that job, it's going to be an interesting uh, fit because, you know, you obviously have one of the best scores in the game in James Harden who I think, you know, is just it's phenomenal and kind of changed the game with his ability to get step backs and create space uh, and get to the buckets at will and, and create lob angles. I mean, it's just something that you just you really can't teach. But will he be able to fit into a scheme that's really more defensive minded? Um, th that's the fact that is to be remain. Um, and then also, too, you look at the backcourt that they have. Um, I forgot about, you know, Russell Westbrook. It is an explosive backcourt that is geared towards scoring, um, not necessarily stopping teams on the, the other end. So um, interesting fit. But, yeah, just trying to jump into those articles or that article. That's kind of what made me, you know, kind of think about, OK, um, you know, did Houston kind of give up a chance to win in 2018? And I think it, it is possible. It really is possible. Um and so let me ask you this. You so saw, <laughs> let me ask you this. I was just kind of scrolling through. I'm sorry. So it says formulas determined Rockets most deserving to win NBA championships. Interesting that that would pop up. So, you know, that's a good, interesting thing to kind of spill into because from a formula standpoint, um, you know, and how the NBA is and how it's changed, it is turned into a scoring league. Um, but it also, too, has to be some factor of, you know, defense or you have to be able to 
to stop teams at some point in time. You know, um, you look at the, the people who have basically or the teams, excuse me, that have won the last couple of years or whatever the case may be. You know, you look at the Toronto Raptors and what they were able to accomplish. It's like, yes, they were able to score, but they were also able to defend at a high level, um, you know, and, and it defend when it, it, it needed to do it the most. Um, the Warriors, the way that they were able to score at a phenomenal rate. But defensively, you know, you look at the excellence that they had on the wing and also to the things that Draymond and the interior did, even though it was a, a small interior. Um, you need that. And so in this particular instance, does Houston have a formula type? Yeah, they have some of the formula. They have the formula to score. Um, as far as defending and stopping clubs, I don't know. You know, that's one of the questions that's just, again, a fact to that we don't know. You know, it's a fact that we would have to see and, and maybe we will see, you know, with the NBA possibly looking to start up here this summer. Um you know, I think it would be interesting to see, you know, would Houston be able to, to kind of take off where they were where they were before the NBA kind of stopped? Because, you know, I thought that Houston, to me, was kind of starting to kind of turn the corner. I think that, um, you know, Russell Westbrook and and Harden were starting to, to kind of really start to gel together, um, especially after the Clint Capella trade. Um, you know, I think P.J. Tucker, Austin Rivers, all those guys like that were starting to really come along. And I think, you know, Mike D'Antoni, he was on the hot seat. And I think it was one of those situations where it was kind of a, a make or break it season. And so um, many of the times so you think about it, you know, uh, you know, sometimes, well, actually all the time, pressure kind of makes diamonds. And maybe this was their time. I, I don't know. You know, do they have the formulas? Yeah, they still have the formula as constructed as is. I'm not sure what's going to happen to them kind of moving into the postseason, though. Um, that, that's the fact that, that that's kind of out there that, that remains, really, is to see, you know, what would kind of happen. Um, and kind of moving forward, you know, just kind of talking here. Again, um, you know, one of the things that's kind of come up, and I just kind of briefly mentioned it, is just with the NBA possibly coming back this summer, um, you know, I think it would be very interesting. They're talking about, you know, opening it up to um, a, a situation where basically the Disney complex would be um, the housing, you know, for broadcasters, for teams, uh, you know, for for, you know, the trainers, everything like that. And that would kind of be their own campus um, to kind of run off of. And um I think it would be, again, it'd be interesting. Um, I'm not sure how they would map it out, you know, via the summer and everything like that. Um, I would say that it would seem strange to have an NBA season without a champion, um, but it is quite possible that, that we're heading to that. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I've always said to me, or I've always said actually the last couple of shows, I think that, you know, from a revenue standpoint, I think that, you know, the NBA is definitely going to struggle either way that they go. Um, I think, you know, from a fan standpoint, it certainly would be exciting uh, to see that kind of come back. So um, uh, that's kind of my thoughts, really, is just, you know, that's that's what it is with the NBA season and its possibility of kind of coming back. Um, you know, just kind of moving forward, man, just kind of looking at um, some of the some of the things here through the news feed. You know, I know a couple of things that I've kind of been looking at is, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of players like kind of wanting to, to come back or take shots at like kind of Mike and this whole, um, 
the whole Last Dance documentary and, and Michael Jordan as a teammate and stuff like that. And <clears throat> to me, you know, I think everybody has an opinion, um, but regardless of how we look at it and how it goes down, you know, Michael Jordan's always going to be the best basketball player to ever play. And I feel like, you know, yeah, I mean, I feel like Jordan had to, he has to <laughs> rub shoulders, uh, you know, and, and, and kind of bump you in the wrong way in, in most parts. I think, you know, one of the things I've noticed in life actually is that um, Mark Cuban actually says that quote that if you you try to please everyone then you please no one um, and that's that's just what it takes you know and I think that Michael Jordan had that that mindset um, and that uncounty ability you know to to be a winner that way and you know I think the sooner that you notice that in life I think you know just the, the better off you'll be you know and so um I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, I know people are going to take shots at him and stuff like that. And I mean, obviously you can believe what you want to believe and whatever, but you know, to me, I think that it's all justified, man, because to me, I feel like, you know, I think Michael Jordan is essentially, you know, he, that's who he had to be, you know, in order to, 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 to build the legacy and to have what he has, um, you know, as part of that ultimate sacrifice and things like that. So, um, let's see. Forget the Jordan rules as LeBron James goes his own way. It's LeBron's rules now. Interesting. <laughs> Forget the Jordan rules. So when I think of the Jordan rules, I think of I think of what the Detroit Pistons set for Michael Jordan back, you know, in the early 80s or late 80s, whatever the case may be, when they were battling um, for supremacy of the East. And it was these rules that were defensively set up for, um, you know, Jordan not to excel. And when I think about LeBron James and I think about the way to guard him or are there necessarily certain rules to guarding LeBron James? Now, I don't think there is. You know, I don't think that there's too many holes in LeBron James game. Um, you know, since LeBron was a was a rookie, I think one of the things he struggled with was kind of hitting the jump shot um, and hitting it from deep. You know, he wasn't an efficient three-point shooter. Um, he was decent, and obviously he's a god as far as athleticism. You know, I think that as he's evolved in his career, um, now when you look at from a scouting port or scouting report situation, you know, the best thing that you can do is try to turn LeBron into a passer and hope that his teammates are off, man. But, you know, I don't think that there's any necessarily set of rules to guard LeBron James. And, you know, does LeBron kind of hold his own keys to the castle? Yeah, I think so. You know, I think when you look at LeBron, man, I think the only thing that stops LeBron James on a given night is LeBron James, really. You know, and it really depends on, you know, if he's wanting to, um, really kind of dominate that game in a scoring capacity? Is he wanting to dominate in the sense of just um, an assist capacity? You know, whatever it is, you know, it's it's really solely um, LeBron's world, you know, when it comes down to it. So, you know, that's kind of my, my spiel for today. Um, you know, just kind of thinking about it and just kind of looking through some of these um, – some of these feeds and things like that. Uh, still scrolling through. Mm. Yeah. 
Scottie Pippen said to be beyond livid at Jordan for betrayal and last dance. Yeah, interesting. I was just actually saying that. Um, yeah, man, I mean, that's pretty much it, you know, for the show. I think just kind of going through and just kind of scanning through some topics and just kind of throwing something out there. But, you know, for the most part, um, you know, I just want to thank anybody out there that does listen to our show um, and just pretty much, you know, thank Anch- or Anchor for being a platform and let you know we'll be back with another show. So, Until next time, this is Rico with Real Talk Sports.